0: So I'm wondering if you know what the theme is today. Yeah, maybe. So so let me tell you, um, the reason we did this is because tomorrow it'll be nearly impossible to get here. It's very, very practical. It'll be nearly impossible. But now watch this. There's another bonus. Today, I think tonight someone just recently told me it's like daylight savings time, which you get to fall backwards. So that means you get an extra hour of sleep. So if you came today... You not only get an extra hour of sleep, you get, you get a no guilt Sunday. You get a no guilt Sunday. So this is, uh, my wife, it was funny, we were uh, doing emails back and forth and she was like, I haven't slept late on a Sunday in decades. And so I was like, yeah man, this is cool. So um, I will be here tomorrow. Because I promise you there'll be 20 or 30 people, no matter how many announcements we made, no matter how many Facebook things we did, there'll be 20 or 30 people here, and I'll bring my guitar and we'll sing old Brooklyn Lighthouse songs. Wow. If, uh, if some of you don't know, we started the church named Brooklyn Lighthouse, and you should have seen it. You know, we, Ray and I would get out of work, and I, I had a name on my shirt that's how that's how what I did for a living. Right? I had a name on my shirt just in case I forgot. And so um, I would come from work. I would study the Bible, and I, I remember how it would go, man. I, we would we would both come. We would set it up, and I would take on this little guitar. Is that you? Bet you remember, right? What that looked like? It was this little guitar that everybody called my ukulele. And um, and then uh, I would sing worship, and then I would take the guitar off, and then I would put like you know I would get the notes, and I was go. And for announcements, and then I would give announcements. And then Ray said he didn't want to teach anymore, so then I would just put the announcements down, and then I would open up the Bible, and I would go, now the God's word says. And uh, it was really crazy. So tomorrow's going to probably feel a lot like that. And, uh, but I'm grateful for that you guys are here today. We're talking about running the race. And again, listen to me. Nothing that I tell you today, nothing is going to supersede the fact that Christ ran his race. And because Christ ran his race, we have the honor We have the opportunity. We have the ability to run our race. But never flip that the other way around. You don't run to Christ. Christ runs to you. You don't endure. He endures you. You don't have the strength. Nothing I tell you today will ever take... I have no strength to stay sober. I have no strength to be a good husband. I have no strength. But Jesus, good news, Jesus has all the strength in the world that you need to endure you, empower you, and strengthen you for the road ahead. And if we forget that, we forget it all. So, it was in 2015, somebody called me up, it was a friend of mine, Irwin, and he said, Ed, you ever, you want to run the marathon? I was like, are you kidding? That's like a lifelong dream. I totally want to run the marathon. He said, I got a bib. A bib is like the thing that you have in your, your thing, it's like the thing that says your number, and that, you know, pins onto your shirt. And so, he goes, I got an extra bib for you. I was like, that's Awesome. When's the marathon? And he goes, two weeks. I was like, oh, okay. And so I remember like a day after that, um, I I looked up on the internet, it said you're supposed to run 18 miles. You're supposed to run 18 miles two weeks before you do the marathon, So you know, like if it's your first marathon. I was like, man, I never ran 18 miles. I guess I should do it. So the very next day, I did it, and it was after a fast, which was not advisable at all. I nearly died. And so... Uh, and I came to work the whole day, <laughs> and then it was a Tuesday. Two- I remember it was a Tuesday. We had a meeting, like one of those business meetings that we used to have, and it lasted till like, whatever, 8, 830. And I remember running here, and I could tell you exactly where I ran. I ran from here to Prospect Park, around Prospect Park three times, and then I ran to my house. It was 18.4 miles, and I nearly died. I nearly died. But that, was, that wasn't so bad, because two weeks later, I got to run the marathon, and I'm telling you, I don't know what mile this is, but we had like 30 or 40 people. the coolest thing. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, this is a great picture. Let me tell you why this is such a fantastic picture. This is a picture of a man who has hidden how he really feels his whole life. Because right here, I look like the picture of joy. I'm telling you, I wanted to commit suicide. I wanted to dive face first into the concrete just so that I could stop running this race. It was terrible. This was one of the worst moments of my life. And so, so I'm running, and it was true. It was Yvette, this is your daughter. Um, I, I saw Michelle, and so like, I'm like this. Like, this, is, this is the way I was running. <laughs> and I was going like this. And then I saw Michelle, and I was like, hey! And I ran to Michelle, gave her a hug, and she snapped that picture. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, they were giving stuff online because I didn't know how to, I didn't prepare, I didn't do anything. You know, when you run by, they give you water, but after a while, they give you anything. Like, they give you, I, I swear, if they would have slipped me roofies, I would have taken anything. <laughs> I would have taken anything. True story. A guy pulls me, he, he sees the pain on my face, he pulls me on the side. True story. He goes, Edwin, Edwin, because, you know, I, I, you write your name on your shirt or on the thing, it says, I, I had Edwin. He goes, Edwin, Edwin, come here. You look like you're hurting. And he goes, listen, these are salt pills. <laughs> True story. He goes, these are salt pills. What's, the problem with your body is that your body's breaking down. Start, you're not doing well. You need more salt. You need to take it. I, said, I didn't question him one second. <laughs> not one second. I said, go, go. how many of these I gotta take? Tell me. I didn't question him. He could have given me coke. I didn't care. I was like, the straw. It was terrible. It was terrible. All right. All right. But I was grateful that I didn't lose my clean time. It's true. But I could have. I could have very easily in that moment. I tell you what, he could have dealt me anything. And so I was just desperate. Um, and, and that's fun, and that's funny, and I'm grateful that we got to talk about that. But the fact is, is that we sometimes get into a walk in Christ, and we feel like we don't know what we got ourselves into. And we feel like everything is falling apart. And we put on a great face, and everybody around us sees how great we're doing. We tell everybody how good we are, and how God is good, and how wonderful we're doing, and we're just blessed. And inside, we're decimated. We're broken. We have no more gasoline in the tank. And so how do you go forward when you're broken? How do you go forward when you've done everything you know to do and it's not enough? Those who say God won't give you more than they can, more than you can handle have not read the Bible I've read. As I read the Bible, it seems that God intends to give us more than what we can handle so we can depend on the one who can handle everything. And yet, and yet, there's a brokenness to that. Maybe. Maybe the relationship is falling apart. And I, I just can't go another step. I just can't go another moment. Maybe the kid has gone so far south that you have no idea how this is going to end up and you feel like you can't go on anymore. Maybe the finances maybe the finances are in such a desperate place. You feel very desperate yourself. Maybe maybe you're wrestling with relapsing or maybe you already did. And you're trying to keep it a secret. I don't know. But I know that as we move in this walk in Christ, it doesn't matter what we portray on the outside, it gets rough. It gets difficult. Now, God knows that every one of us are going to experience times when we want to give in, times when we want to quit, times when we can't go any further, do any more, when we don't have an ounce of strength left, when there's not a good foot forward, when there's not a pick up your face and go forward, there's nothing left. God knows this about us. And so he puts some really encouraging words in the Bible. We're going to the book Of Hebrews. You stay seated. I know we're all surrounded by tables and we've been standing and and sitting down. So I'm just going to read this to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. God puts in His word an encouraging word for all of those who don't feel like we can endure anymore. Those of us who feel like we got no more in us. Those of us who feel. Like we're about to quit. God's put this word in us and for us. Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse three, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded... Man, man, let's read this together. This is one that you got to read with me. This is good, man. One, two, three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is God's Word. So, therefore. The reason, whenever you see the word therefore in a text you got to think like this. When we're studying the scriptures, you got to think of ways of how you can engage with the scriptures and study the scriptures rightly. So whenever you see the word, therefore, you have to ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? And the reason you have to say that is because there was obviously something said before what he's about to say to make whatever he's going to say make sense. So he's connecting his thought to chapter 11. Now, chapter 11, for many of you, uh, you may or may not know that chapter 11 is like the hall of fame for faith believers. We call it the hall of faith. And it's just a series of people and what they've done, it's a reflection on the heroes of the faith, all of them broken, all of them full of sin, all of them desperately needing the grace of God, But he goes back and he says, remember these guys, remember these guys, remember these guys. And then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, this is a a verse that I have wrongly taught in the past. So I get this wonderful opportunity to do a do-over. I would teach this, if I was going to teach this in the past, I would teach it this way. So what what happens is, is that all all those who have died, all those faithful who have died, look down on us and are rooting us on, cheering for us, so that we might continue in our faith run. That's not at all what this means. This is not that we have a group of people looking down on us, but rather that we have a group of people that we can look upon, we ourselves could look upon for encouragement. Because the fact is, if people in heaven are watching me live out my Christian walk, I don't think heaven would be heaven much. It would be pretty disappointing, right? I I, I blow it like you know. The, I'm the last person. If you're in heaven, I'm the last person you want to go. You want to go? Come on, over, come. Ah, oh, no, oh, you could have done better than that. That's what it would be like in heaven. So I'm pretty sure that's not it. What's happening is not, there's not a group of people to look upon us, but there's a group of people that we can look upon for encouragement. We go back to that chapter 11 and look upon it and say, look at Samson, look at Jephthah, look at, look at these heroes. That's the whole point of, the, uh, of what the Hebrews writer is trying to make. He's going, you're not the only one. You're not the only one who's struggled. You're not the only one who's looked at difficulty. You're not the only one who's had to answer the question, where's my next meal going to come from? Or how am I going to get out of this one? Or how is this going to end? You're not the only one with questions. You're not the only one with pain. There are people for us to look on and see God's faithfulness in their lives. Therefore, since we're surrounded by that bunch by that group since we can go back and reflect since we have the Old Testament and we could read upon it since we have the New Testament and we can look at how others have walked in the faith since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses their lives and sometimes even their deaths was a witness to us that God is faithful therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let me, just, let me just say this. The big idea for today is simply this. Christ finished so that you won't quit. Christ finished so that you won't quit. We have in Christ all that we need to get through bad marriages. Did you know that? We have in Christ all that we need to get through bad health. Did you know that? We have in Christ all that we need to get through depression, cancer. We have all that we need because Christ give it, gave us himself. Christ finished so that you won't quit. He went the whole way so that you could Make your way to Him. That's how we need to view running our race. We don't need to tell ourselves to try harder. Do better. Be more honest. Stop lying. White knuckle it. That is not the gospel at all. The gospel is is that you're hopeless. And that in Christ... We have a righteousness that doesn't belong to us, but that is given to us by Him. So, if we're going to endure recognizing that Christ finished so that we don't quit, Christ is going to speak to us right now. And like, and like a loving father, or like a, yeah, like a loving father, He's going to give us instruction about there are some things that are going to make your journey harder. You're going to do you're going to make it harder on yourself. And so, if you're in a difficult time, if you're suffering, you want to put a really good attention to what we're going to say right now because Christ, this is what Christ is going to do in your life. The first thing is that if we're if we're going to endure in Christ, in Christ, the first thing we need to know is that there's going to be some stuff we got to drop. According to this text, there's going to be some stuff we have to drop. Look at this in verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Pause. Did you know that there are good things that you have in your life? good things that prevent you from pursuing Christ in a passionate and powerful way. I can tell you one of those good things is anything with a screen attached to it. Anything with a screen attached to it is a good thing that will hinder you. It's it's something that will prevent you from being able to run this incredible race that Christ has for us. Anything with a screen. Is it a pad? Is it a watch? Is it a television? Is it a phone? Yeah. See, it, anything with a screen will hinder you. Throw off everything that hinders. There are some friendly relationships that you have that are absolutely toxic toxic to your growth in Christ. I'm talking about good people. Love. Love life. Good folks. Nice people. Will help you move if you ask them. But when you have conversations with them, they erode at your soul. There are things that will hinder you. And that means that there's some stuff we would have. If we're going to do this race, there's some stuff. There's some habits that we have that are going to hinder you. Not necessarily sin. Not necessarily sin. But things that will hinder you, will prevent you. For some... Yeah. So, there's stuff to drop. I just realized this second that I'm the only thing between you and like, what was it? Fettuccine Alfredo? Right? Right? <laughs> And so I just realized that. I was like, gosh, I bet you guys want to eat. And it's like, um, so we're going to go through this. So firstly, there's some stuff to drop. Secondly, there's some sin to deal. There's some, we have to drop some stuff, deal with sin. Now, we see this right next to where hinders. Let us throw off everything that hinders. And, somebody say and. And, so there's two things here. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know why the Bible says that sin is easily entangles you? Because it really entangles you quite easily. Just in case you don't know, anybody here, anybody here ever been like addicted to cigarettes? Anybody here? Okay, okay. Let me ask you. No, no, no. Keep your hands up. I got a question to ask you. Okay, me too. Me too. I have my hand up too. At what cigarette did you get addicted? Do you remember what number cigarette that was? No, no, no. Keep your hand up. up. Does anybody remember what cigarette got you addicted? Does anybody remember? No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know why? Because it so easily entangled you. It so easily entangled you, you didn't even know when it happened. The only time you knew when it happened is when you tried to stop But By then, it was too late. It had already entangled you. Hey, anybody here ever have, maybe drink one too many? Maybe one or two of you, right? Yeah, 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 okay, right here. At what point, at what point, at what point? What beer was it? Was it the third beer? Was it the 43rd beer? What point did you go from non-alcoholic to alcoholic? Anybody know? Anybody know? No. You know why you don't know? Because it so easily entangled you. It did it right in front of your eyes, and you didn't even recognize it. There's not only some stuff to drop, but there's some sin that we have to deal with, and the sin that we have to deal with is not the stuff that has totally... We have to now start looking ahead and start going, what's the sin that's so easily entangling me? Listen to me. I'm not talking about having sex outside of marriage. I'm talking about having a conversation that you know is not leading anywhere good because it so easily entangles. I'm not talking about the websites where it's like, oh, no, but I want to hear this preacher. I'm talking about the internet that is just luring you in, enticing you. It's sin that so easily entangles. I'm not talking about, listen to me, it's the sin that so easily entangles. If we're going to run our race, run our race. Focused on Christ, delighted in Him, seeking and finding strength in Jesus, there's going to be some stuff that we have to drop, and there's going to be some sin that we have to deal with. Thirdly, there's a race we've got to run. So we've got to drop some stuff, we've got to deal with sin, We've got to run our race. Let's say that together. We've got to drop some stuff, deal with sin, and run our race. Listen to what it says here in verse, uh, in, it's still in verse 1. And, everybody say and. and. This is the third thing. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now this is super key. I think this is the thing that I've struggled with the most. I don't know about you, but I struggle with envy. I know we've already talked about that in our series. By the way, we're still in a series called The Seven Deadly Sins. And if this at all, if you're getting anything out of this service or if you're finding that God is calling you to himself, then you want to come in on that series Now, tomorrow if you come in, I'll just be preaching this message. If anybody shows up, it'll be this message that I'm going to do over, so don't bother with that one. But the next Sunday, someone say next Sunday. Next Sunday, Sunday, you are invited to a Sunday service that we have at 10 a.m., and we would love to be able to serve you and love you and help you grow in Christ so that we might be able to do that together. Okay, just shameless plug, Sunday's 10 a.m. Okay, now, my problem is is that the church that I want to pastor is just a little bit bigger than this one. And then you know when this church gets a little bit bigger, you know what I'm going to want? See, I want to run somebody else's race. This is something I've struggled with my whole life. I wanted to be like my heroes. I've seen them and I go, why don't I have what they have? I hear, I hear preachers that I, like, are my age or a little bit younger. And they get invited to these amazing places. And I'm telling you, nothing up my sleeve, man. I walk in jealousy. I look at those guys and I go, I'm a better preacher than them. Why does he have to preach there? And, like, and so it's like there's this jealousy that creeps up. And the reason that this jealousy creeps up is because I forget that there's a race that I have been given to run. And there's a race that they have been given to run. And they're not the same race. It's so easy for me to be entangled in this idea that I'm not called to run my race, I'm called to run their race. And the pain of that is unbelievable because God is like, dude, I have not equipped you to deal with that kind of pressure, that kind of pain. I tell you, when I was younger, I would go, oh my gosh, you know what I want? I want a a marriage, I want a bunch of kids, I want a house, I want a car. And like, I got all of that. That's a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know if you got, like I know you, some of you guys are just getting clean, right? And you're thinking to yourselves, you know what? I just need, I just need, a, oh man, a marriage and a good job and all that other stuff. There are pressures that come along with that that are amazingly intense. Amazingly intense. Listen to me, listen to me. It's the, it's the race that God gave you. The race that God gave you. Not the race that God gave the other person that you feel jealous about. Not the race that God gave the other person that you want for your life because you think that it's more glamorous. Not the race that feeds your ego or the race that feeds your... Listen, it's the race that God gave to you. We walk in humility because we know that every gift we've ever received comes from God. And so we thank Him. So if you have two days clean, you thank Him that you have two days clean. And if you have one day clean, you thank Him that you have one day. And if you relapse and you confess it today, you thank them for giving you the grace to confess. And if you're struggling with something, you thank them that you have a whole room full of people. Anybody here ever struggle with something? Look at all the people you got. right? Look around, look around. I know there's some of you who've never struggled with anything. It's cool. I understand. But for the most of us, you can go to those people who have struggled with stuff. You, you have a group of people, a church, who will love you and help you run your race. But, beloved, I can tell you this with great sincerity and assurance. None of this matters if you don't get this last point. None of this matters if you don't get this last point. So we said, let's read this together, right? So we said, right, if if we're going through difficult times and we're going to endure, Jesus is going to lead us. Because Because he ran his race, we are allowed to run our race. Because Christ finished so we don't have to quit. And if that's true, Christ is going to give us some stuff to, dro- some, to drop some stuff, to deal with sin, to run our race, and a Savior to gaze. He's going to give us a Savior to gaze on. Look at this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The pioneer and perfecter. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So, here's how this happens. When you you and I are going through a difficult time, because our eyes are so closely surrendered to Christ, we're so fixed on Jesus, that encourages us. That gives us the strength. So, you're having relational difficulty. Your girl, your man, they don't understand you. They're just treating you bad. After all you've done, they are not responding to you in a way that you find is true and good and right listen to me so let's say i'm a let's say i'm the wife who has given and given and given and given and just feel hurt by the person that i'm loving my spouse loving and serving him i get to take a step and there's two things that i get to do one I go Jesus have you ever loved someone who you only gave and gave and gave and they just gave you nothing but heartache And he goes I don't know Edwin let me think about that one <laughs> Starts with E and their name starts with E and ends with N I'm thinking Yeah you <laughs> Yeah Right 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 And and I could get broken You mean You mean This is what I look like, my husband, is what I look like when they treat me bad. That's what I look like when I'm disrespectful and hurtful towards you. This is how hurt you walk around when I deal with you in a way that doesn't give you honor and glory. Beloved, sit in that till tears stream down your face. Till so you recognize that in, if I'm the wife in that scenario, I need to sit in that till I recognize that I am the biggest sinner in that marriage. Because the my husband might be sinning against me, but they're just sinning against another sinner. I'm sinning against the creator of the universe who's done nothing but good to me. They could pull up some stuff that I've done to them, even though I don't want to admit it. But Christ has never done anything to me, nothing but good to me. Beloved, this is what it means to gaze on our Savior. We reflect on what Jesus has done for us, even as we see. So what happens after that? After that I go, so God, how do you treat me? How do you respond to me? How do you deal with me? even though I recognize now that I'm truly, truly sinful towards you. Oh, beloved. Then we look at the cross and we see that He finished His race and that He loved and that He gave and that He served and He laid down His life for us so that we might be able to love, serve, and lay down our lives for others. Maybe, maybe you have some kids who are going in the wrong direction and they're breaking your heart and you're doing everything for them and they're breaking your heart and you're doing everything for them and they're breaking your heart and you go, God, God, do you have any kids that break your heart? I don't know, everyone, let me think about that for a second. I can think of one. First, first letter in his name is E. Yeah, it's me. And so, God, how do you deal with this is, is this the way I look when I rebel against you? When I go, oh, you'll forgive me. When, when my kid comes up to me and says, yeah, don't worry. But yeah, dad, just give me the 20 bucks. You know, that's the past. Don't dwell on the past. Just give me 20 bucks. Is this the way, is this the way you feel like when I come to you and I just tell myself, ah, but Jesus will forgive me? Jesus will forgive me. That's that's my excuse for all my sin. Jesus will forgive me. Jesus will forgive me. Is this the pain that I'm feeling now? Is this the pain that you feel when I do that with you? Yeah, Edwin, only worse. Beloved, we gaze upon Jesus. We don't, listen, I can't endure because I'm a good dad. Or a good wife. Or a good husband. Or a good child. I can endure because Jesus, Jesus was the good one. The good son who laid down his life so that brothers and sisters could be adopted into his family. Now, if you live like this, listen to me, there's a way to live in Christ that goes, listen, just do better. Try harder. And I'm telling you, it's exhausting. I meet people who stop coming to church all the time and the, the, the number one the number one issue is because they tried to live this way they, didn't, they, they did the first three they dropped some stuff they dealt with sin they ran their race and Jesus did not give them what they wanted and so they put Jesus in their debt right, because if we do good what do we say, what do we hear all the time when people say, people go People go like this. People go, after all I've done for God. Listen, I've been going to church. I've been reading my Bible. I've been staying clean. And and that's how you treat me? If that's how you do me, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Why? Because Jesus is in our debt. He owes us. He's not our God. He's not our God. He's in our debt. Jesus is our boogie. We placed good bets and now he owes us. Beloved, if this is how you're living on the first three, you will not make it to the finish line. But if you go and you say, Jesus, there's nothing in me that can possibly make this race. There's nothing that I deserve. I don't deserve a good wife. I don't deserve a good husband. I don't deserve good kids. I don't deserve good health. I don't deserve clean time. I don't deserve anything. Anything that you give to me, Lord, is bonus and beautiful. But Jesus, would you just keep my eyes on you? Because even that, I can't do well. If we walk like that, beloved, you'll be able to finish your race because you'll be looking at the finisher himself. And having seen him and seen him faithful in the lives of so many witnesses, you'll be able to endure to the end. Could you imagine? What would your suffering look like? What would your suffering look like if if on Monday morning, if tomorrow, when the next bad thing happens, what would it look like if you just said, no, 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 I know this problem looks big, but my focus, my gaze is not on the problem. My focus, my gaze is on the Savior. Yeah. It would change. I'm telling you you would suffer better. You would depress better. You would be tempted with going back out there better. You would, you would deal with loneliness better because Jesus would be with you every step of the way. We can finish because he finished for us. And because he finished for us, we don't have to quit. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you remind us that you are no quitter. That when we were against you, you didn't quit. That when all... Seemed like the universe was making you pay the penalty for our sin. You did so. You laid down your life for us willingly. Lord, there are those of us here who don't know you like that. We haven't recognized that you finished the race for our sake, for your glory. Lord, would you, in a very real way, would you awaken us to our need for the gospel? That we don't just need to be saved. We just don't need to be saved from hell and damnation. But every day, Jesus, we need to be saved from our sadness. Saved from our disappointment. Saved from our discouragement. Saved from our struggles. Saved from our relational tensions. Saved from our pride and our obsession with comfort and control and approval. We need to be saved from everything in the world that we pursue that's not Jesus. So that it doesn't grab a hold of us And that we could recognize that you've grabbed a hold of us. Make that a reality in our lives. Make that true for us. That we might walk in that in a deeper and more fundamental way. Deepen this truth inside of us. And give us wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard. For we do pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.